0: Welcome to Adaptive Podcast, where you will listen from leaders and experts who have lived your future, or maybe they have helped leaders live your future. I'm your host, Swapna Savan, and also founder of Adaptive. And our today's guest is Shane King-Zachary. Shane is a queer black technologist, a filmmaker, and also an entrepreneur based in Oakland, California. They are an engineering manager and the founder of Yarner Studios, a sustainable creative business project that is equal parts production studio and innovation lab. I personally have witnessed their drive to constantly think about potential solutions. Recently, they transitioned to management and have started their first gig as engineering manager. There is a lot for us to unpack today, so let's get started. Welcome, Shane. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Thanks a lot. Um, I'm just going to go right in because there is so much that I really want to cover with you. You have a degree in arts, and I remember our conversation earlier. You loved what you did, and then you made your transition to engineering. What made you do that?
1: Um, Yeah, you mentioned I have a degree in arts, and um, I, I have a liberal arts degree. I went to a liberal arts uh, college and I, I have a self-designed uh, degree in um, not in the arts necessarily. I mean, there's um, there's some digital and electronic media studies that I focused on, but um, really my degree wasn't being put to use in the career that I was in. Um, but I was working with creative people and so like helping figure out how to help creative people get paid for the work, uh, the creative work that they do. Um, but um, At the time, actually, that I decided to get into engineering, I wasn't doing either of those things. I was kind of um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next and was in a job where I wasn't really using my creativity uh, or my brain very much at all during the day, um, which, uh, which... like you can imagine I found it rather boring. And so I transitioned into engineering because it seemed like there were a lot of really hard problems to solve, a lot of puzzles, um, like a lot of kind of puzzle thinking where I felt like I could uh, learn a lot and really never get bored on the job. Um, and also um, kind of transition into a career where there I, I couldn't find a real ceiling for learning. Um, mm-hmm. And as a voracious learner, um, it just felt like the it felt like the type of career where um, the problems were how my brain worked.
0: Got it. So um, going a little deeper into that, did you had any like one conversation with somebody or a problem that came in front of you which made you think that, huh, this is something really cool and I would like to do this?
1: I think there were two very particular instances where <laughs> I realized that I could that I was maybe actually interested in. Professionally becoming an engineer. Um, And one was where I was working in that creative shop and I was talking to an engineer and I had told him about how I had tried to learn how to code in the past and had a really kind of lukewarm um, kind of experience with it. And he said, um, You can do whatever you want to do as long as it's what you want to be doing, you know, even if it's hard. Um, If you, really want to spend your time and energy getting good at something, all it is, is time and energy and effort, right? And, and so, even though it had been hard, uh, and it was something that I kind of kept returning back to with little success, um, that little reminder, Uh, which I still carry with me all the time made me realize that if I really wanted to do it, I could do it. And I think the second thing was uh, actually, uh, you know, when you and I used to work together, I used to sit in the, uh, in the, the lunchroom and, um, Mm -hmm. and code before work. And I remember I was talking to a sales rep and she was like, you know how to code? And I was like, yeah, I'm learning how to code. And she was like, well, why aren't you an engineer? And that was the first time anyone had asked me that. Um, and I didn't really have a good answer. I was kind of like, well, I don't know, I guess, because I'm not an engineer. And um, and that was kind of the first seed where I was like, well, why aren't I an engineer? And then I started to think, well, if I wanted to be, what could that look like? And mm-hmm. that's kind of where the, um, the seed for, uh, you know, starting to figure out how to get an apprenticeship on the job and all of that really started.
0: Got it and now an engineering manager yes what made you step into the management role
1: <laughs> a recent development yeah it's only been since uh t- this is august so it's been since april so you mm-hmm. know just a couple of months um and honestly i think that um Well, I know that management was my North star from day one. And I think that part of that is because the people that were inspiring me who were a part of the engineering departments at different startups that I worked at were managers. They were the ones who I saw most interested in me and my journey, the ones who I saw being able to have the, the most high impact level of intervention on the um, careers and experiences of the people um, on their teams. And um, I saw that it was like a labor of love for so many of them. And uh, I think that because the folks who most resonated with me in engineering were leaders, and that I've always kind of been inclined towards leadership. I always assumed that the point of becoming a software engineer was to one day be a a leader in title, to be a manager. And so I set my sights on the hard, you know, the thing that felt like the, like phase two of the hard thing that I was trying to do. And the point was always to get to phase two. So at least, (laughs) you know, So, yeah. Yeah, And I I like that.
0: I like that. Phase two was management for you. But then what were the challenges during this transition to management?
1: At the time that I was actually ready in my career and I think mentally and Mm -hmm. spiritually to transition into management, the company that I was at uh, and was going through a really hard time, um, I think that the biggest challenge was looking around and looking at the people who were left, who remained at the company and realizing that all of the people who had inspired me, who I had looked forward to being peers with, were all gone, right? So Mm -hmm. I expected to walk into a situation and know who my mentors were going to be, know who I was going to be learning from, you know, knowing the people that I vibed with and who believed in me um, and then realizing that I actually had to build that uh, myself um, Mm -hmm. once I actually got there. And uh, while also trying to, you know, do this brand new thing, not being very clear, like, who my mentors were going to be.
0: You know what, Shane, you remind me of a saying which I had read somewhere, in chaos comes opportunities and potential. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You're absolutely right. And I think that that has been, um, you know, um, my big lesson, you know, going into management is recognizing that, the challenges are not going to look like the checklist that you thought that it would be, right? Yeah. It's really in mm-hmm. the nuance and in the reality of the given day. Um, and it's definitely my work to, um, as, a, as, a, as a manager to um, meet the day, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then now when you look back into your career, is there something that you wish you would have done differently?
1: You know, it's, it's funny, when I look back, and it's actually really cool that I can look, back, I can genuinely look back on my journey, because part of getting into engineering and, um, and even prepping for management, I've always been tasked with writing about the journey, like where I was in the journey. Mm-hmm. And so I have these blog posts that I can look back at from my apprenticeship years. Uh, and I have this mm-hmm. journey of ment- of mentoring that I can look back in in my kind of mid-level years. And, um, and you know, my journey is really well documented. And when I look back at it, there's actually nothing that I would do differently. Ooh, I wow. know I had a lot of fun. I met mm-hmm. amazing people, made genuine connections and have been overwhelmingly supported. Um, I've had you know, in the past, um, almost four years, I I think I had counted the other day that I had five, I've had five different managers, four of them have been black. Um, And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've gotten to work on all kinds of cool projects. And, blurred the lines between, you know, what it means to be a, a web developer and then to go into operation, to work on databases and go back to product development and be a manager. And I've done it in the timeline that I actually set for myself. And I brought people along with me along the way. I, I honestly feel like I've achieved all of the little milestones that I wanted to up until this mm-hmm. point, which um, I didn't realize until very recently. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty proud of the way I did it.
0: Totally. And honestly, Shane, I also remember our break room conversations. And I truly mean it when I say that I have witnessed the drive that you you had constantly to think about potential solutions that can come. That's right. Uh, So you we talked about the challenges and I'm not actually surprised that when you say that, when you when you look back, there is nothing different that you could have done. But what are your biggest challenges in your career right now? I think, I think like, a, as in, think, as a
1: manager. yeah, that's, uh, it's a great question. I think that mm-hmm. my challenge is every manager's challenge right now. I mean, you're, you're a leader as well at your company. And, and I imagine that this is on your plate too, which is that um, people are really tired right now. Like we're in a place um, as, as work communities, as, um, as businesses, where we need to move forward right like we have to figure out how to move forward and how to gain momentum and transition into whatever it is that we're going to be um with people who are talented and driven and still exhausted and juggling so much uh and i myself (laughs) you know feel like i'm i'm uh in recovery you know and and still in need of some healing and so the biggest challenge is showing up every day with enough energy to meet the moment in a way that resonates with you, like resonates with me, resonates with my team. Um, you know, making sure that, um, they feel supported, that they see me supporting them in a healthy, sustainable way. Um, like truly like leading by example right now is a huge challenge. Um, and, um, Again, kind of doing that in a place that's going through so much change, um, and
0: mm-hmm. keeping
1: everything in perspective is uh, an yes. everyday, an everyday adjustment, everyday alignment.
0: I actually I'm so glad you said said that you yourself are in recovery right now, because I think the the best gift that we can give our direct reports right now is to be authentic, Absolutely. and be vulnerable, and be like very direct. So. Absolutely. That's, that's so powerful. Yeah. yeah. So now that you have gone through this management um, ladder, do you think there is a right way to make a management move?
1: That is such a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess I do. Um, well, I don't know if there's a right way. But I, I do feel like there are unfavorable paths to management. And, uh, you know, one of them is, like, by force. Like, if you have no other choice to grow is to otherwise get into management, maybe mm-hmm. if that's the only driving force, maybe consider some other path for yourself. Um, I would also say, um, like, if you're doing it so that you can tell people what to do. <laughs> That's probably not the right reason or way to move into management. Um, I don't know that there's a right way other than, like, you feel pulled. Um, like, to me, this may be a little cheesy, but management felt like a calling. Like, it felt like the right, the only logical thing for me to be doing in an organization at that point in my career. Um And so I think that like the right way to move into management is in a way that's extremely well informed, um, in a in a way that is like resonant with you, kind of not just logically but spiritually and emotionally, because management is about deciding that you are invested in a place enough to also invest in its people and to like build a safe and healthy working community, a, a place that is a community and a place where you get work done <laughs> and all of the accountability that comes with that. Um, it's like you wanna be a part of the logistics that go into making that dream work every day while, cause I'll also say like getting a paycheck, <laughs> like if those two things, Check out. Then management is probably the right move for you. And if you like hanging out oh, with wow. uh, nerds all day, which I do, I do really enjoy.
0: Mm-hmm. Then, do you have any advice for those who are trying trying to climb this ladder? Like, is that like one thing that they should actually really focus on? Don't climb. Dance. You know, like move and
1: shake your way to wherever you're trying to get. In that management, I would say circle, um, maybe even coliseum in a way, because there is there's there's performance, there's politics, <laughs> um, there are alliances, right? There are um, there there are spectaculars. Like I don't know that it's a ladder. Um, I'm not quite convinced that anymore that it's a ladder or that you have to climb. You can shimmy through whatever shape it is.
0: I love it. I love it, Shane. Uh, we talked a lot about management. Let's Let's switch a gear a little bit because I would like to know with all of this that you are doing currently, do you have imposter syndrome? And if you do, then how do you navigate through it?
1: Um I will say that today Saturday August 27th um 9:29 a.m. I do not have imposter syndrome. I am not I am not suffering through imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Is it in there? Of course. It's always the potential is is always there, right? Um like imposter syndrome I feel like is um in effect. <laughs> um uh, maybe mm-hmm. imposture and effect <laughs> is uh, is the way that I think about it, um, and and it's always like ready to be triggered, and it shows up like some in certain hours or in certain situations throughout the day where maybe it doesn't show up for like another hour of the day, you know. Um, so it's kind of always there, um, but the way that I navigate it is kind of like that, like r- recognizing that it is like a state and an effect that I am flowing in and out of all the time, and it is okay. Like it is, um, if I am feeling like an imposter, I assume that means that I'm somewhere that I want to be, (laughs) but for some reason I feel like I don't belong there. And so that's work that then I have to do like as a personal detective to figure out what is causing me to feel like I don't belong in this place that I chose, right? Um, is there anything in there yeah. that's in my control? Is there anything in there that I need to confront? Is there anything that I need to like help another person like arrive at uh, around how they are showing up in my space and affecting my experience negatively? And I have to be brave enough to tell them that and to try to make it a more just right place for me to be, right? Um, so... That is, that is my amorphous mm-hmm. um, kind of random stream of thought on imposter syndrome.
0: Yeah. I mean, you reminded me of a conversation I had a few years back with one of my engineering leader, where they mentioned to me that if you have imposter syndrome, that's a good thing, because that means you have put yourself out of your comfort zone. And that is actually a sign of success. Yeah, I think
1: sometimes that's super true. Like if you are uh, putting yourself out there in order to grow or you're putting yourself in a position where you can become, you know, you you recognize that you're not quite there yet. Sometimes that's okay because it means, yeah, you're on the right track. Um, And in other times it's like, it's information. I think imposter syndrome is information. It's like environmental feedback right? So you're in an environment that's trying to speak to you, that's trying to tell you something. I agree that I think that that's, for me, that is always a good sign that I'm in a place that is speaking to me, right? Um, But what is it saying? Is it trying to say something about the space that needs to change? Is it saying, is it telling me about something that I need to address within myself so that I can be more confident, more comfortable, you know, experiencing less suffering. Um, But I agree that either way, it's information. And I think information is always good.
0: Totally. Shane, I cannot let you go without asking you this question. In the past couple of years, during the pandemic, violent acts of racism, school shootings, and now also the loss of women's rights, how do you navigate your career and show up for your team when everything feels upside down?
1: Another great question. Um, I, going back to that notion of dancing, right? Um, I think that everything is always out of, in in a different arrangement than we expect it to be. Um, And so, again, like I show up, I try to show up In full recognition that at some point something may be totally upside down for any of us at any given moment, Um, and our awareness of that, or or lack of awareness of that, is always possible. And so, you navigate with as much acceptance and fluidity as you can. You know, you show up and try to be very human about it, Um, and this isn't, this isn't like a clean answer at all, but, um, the, I mean, the, the real truth of it is that, um, it's, um, I guess what I say to my team is that, like, nothing that we are doing here is more important than, like, what's going on in your life right now, and if you are someone who's at the intersection of a lot of going ons, public going ons, social going ons right now. I have zero expectation that you are showing up and giving your best at work. In fact, I would highly encourage you not to. <laughs> go go mm-hmm. be in your life. Go navigate that. However it is, you need to don't navigate your career. <laughs> like let's you and I figure out how to make your career um, self-service, like self-sufficient. <laughs> Let's be realistic about what needs your attention in that moment um, and navigate it with a lot of honesty about what you, how you can actually show up and what that expectation is. Um, I'm not asking for a pound of flesh from anyone right now, <laughs> Um like mm-hmm. you work, I work with what the, what folks have to offer and try to be very honest and accommodating to that.
0: Um, that's, that's very powerful, Shane. Well, thanks a lot for actually coming to my podcast. Uh, you also mentioned about your blog post and the document that you have created through your blog post of your journey. I would love to even share that with my audience so that they can see. Oh sure, some of
1: that is public. Some of it is honestly in the works. Um, So uh, I'm Shane King-Zachary on uh, Medium. You can find um, some blog posts that I wrote throughout my apprenticeship experience and my early mentorship experience um, on, on Medium um on the i think it's still all part of the intello engineering blog that's e-n-t-e-l-o um and other pieces of work i have um only exist in my google drive right now but i will share with you hopefully in some consumable widely consumable form um in in the in the next year or so um as it gets edited and um in a reasonable state to share with other humans
0: got it okay thanks a lot yeah thanks for having me have a good one